Any examples used are for illustrative purposes only and do not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and may not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to predict the performance of any specific investment and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. This is another money show. Get set for another hour of the latest financial information and economic news affecting your bottom line. JR and Anthony are committed to helping more Americans like you optimize their income, reduce their tax risk, and reach financial freedom. So let's start the show. Here are your hosts, Anthony Correo and JR Rochford. Here we are, your hosts, Anthony Correo, JR Rochford, taking a break from our day to day as financial advisors with Rochford and Associates, a fully independent, fourth generation family practice right here in the greater Phoenix area. To bring you information you may not be hearing on those other money shows, we are aware that the last thing you need is another money show. But we appreciate you being here. You know, last week we were out, so we uh, recorded a, you know, it was hard to do a news episode when we're pre-recording, you know, weeks before. But we don't like repeating episodes, so we definitely want to have something special for you last week. So hopefully you enjoyed it. I know it was more financial than most. This week, we got a bunch of news articles for you. We've got stuff about Bezos. Uh, surprise, surprise, we've got stuff about the FDIC and the banks again. There's a video about a BlackRock recruiter kind of spilling the beans on how uh, everything is manipulated and there's nothing you can do about it, which I think was wonderful. But uh, what do you want to start us off with today, JR? What do you got? I'd like to start us off in Canada. You know, we were in Canada last week. Oh, and I did get some feedback on the show. My old neighbor, I'll make up a name as usual. Let's call him Thad. So my old neighbor said that the show was actually kind of dry. He said it was a little boring. And I was like, well, first of all, you know, we do this show. It's been, what, a year and two months now. And it's about current events and how they may affect your finances. So if we have to record it two weeks early, we can't really do current events. So I was like, well, you know, I mean, we did the best we could with what we had. And now I'm just, I'm really butthurt. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love Thad. Thad gives us a lot of good information. He's a good man. So, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't current events because we had to pre-record it. I am very happy to say that with a year and two months into this, we have never re-aired an episode. We have recorded each week. So that's kind of cool. I think I've done two without you and you've done two or three without me. So we've, we've made do, but we've never repeated a show, which is kind of cool. Um, we were in Canada. It was very nice. Canada was a little bit chilly, a little bit rainy when we got there, but absolutely beautiful. So if you ever get a chance, I would try to see Banff, Canada. So we went into Calgary, went up to Banff. We went to Lake Louise for one day. It was absolutely beautiful. The money, you know, it's a resort, so everything was expensive. But the exchange rate was $1.34 Canadian to $1 U.S., so you kind of look at it like take a third off of whatever the prices were. I know we did the little conversion at the hotel and they only gave us a dollar and 24 cents for each US dollar. So way to, way to screw your customers. I'm just kidding. Oh, it was worse at the airport. The airport was a uh, dollar 12. Wow. Calgary airport. So yeah, definitely don't uh, exchange currencies at airports. But it was nice seeing my bill because I was really worried about what I may have been paying there. Didn't see my credit card bill. I was like, oh, this is, I keep forgetting, you know, the differential. I was like, oh, I spent a fraction of what I thought I spent. And to be honest with how 
that place we stayed at was much too nice for us. They probably shouldn't have let us in. Uh, but their prices were actually reasonable once you get into the conversion factor for yes. what we were paying. I was like, oh, this is not as expensive as I would have thought at all. No, no, it was great. And, you know, Canada is, there are similarities to the United States. You know, I, I did notice that they are very patriotic. I mean, you, you know, you see Canadian flags everywhere. So that was kind of nice. Um, Thank you so much, Kelly, Sue, Connor, Brecken. I mean, the, the people that we hung out with, very nice, wonderful, generous people. And we appreciate you. So that was fun. Now we're back. You ask what's on my mind to make up for last week's, according to Thad, again, dry episode. We have to give you some new news and we have it. Anthony, you gave me a ton of articles and obviously I found some of my own. You know, I, I just saw this morning, Japan, <laughs> Japan had a, they're on a tear today. So they are, their stock market is right around back to its 1989 think about that for a second so since 1989 their stock market hasn't done all that much but good news they're they're getting back in the game you know the united states a few times on this show you know everybody's like oh it'll come back it'll come back it'll come back and we reference japan i mean i think 2020 was the first time it hit that mark unless you're saying just now they hit it for the first time because i thought they hit in 2020 but yeah the market may come back but do you want to wait 30 years from peaks I mean, we already did that in the United States. During the Great Depression, it took 30 years for the market to come back. And right now, we think we're at that threshold again where we could see something similar and everybody disagrees. But it's like, it's happened before. You tell me it can't happen again? Yeah, but they were right. I mean, Japan's looking like they're going to hit new highs. So, so are we. And our market, you know, the Teflon Dow, we're hovering between 31 and 34,000. You know, no matter what happens, big coup over in Russia rootin' tootin' Putin almost got, you know, his whole regime taken down. Doesn't matter. You know, what what goes on in this country? Trump, Trump, Biden, Biden, Trump, Trump, submarine, Trump. <laughs> you know, there's everything is a news cycle. You know, what's really important to me, you know, one thing we I believe, we, you know, when we went to Canada, the debt was at 31.7 or 31.9 trillion. And now that we're back, it's at 32 trillion. Do you know do you know what a trillion is? I mean when you when you really think about a trillion, what what is it? it it's 12 zeros. So picture a number and then add 12 zeros. Write that down and look at it and see if it makes sense to you because I I mean it, it's a mind-boggling number. You know, what is the what will it take for us to get worried? Is it 50 trillion? Is it 100? It I mean, doesn't matter. Do, well, it it doesn't seem to. Doesn't seem to matter. And to me, it's crazy. You know, let me let me read some here for you real quick for people that can visualize a million dollars. The comparison made by CNN should give you an idea about a trillion. If you start spending a million dollars every single day since Jesus was born, you still wouldn't have spent a trillion dollars. Another mathematician puts it like this. One million seconds ago, was 11.5 days. One billion seconds ago was 32 years. One trillion seconds ago was 32,000 years. Isn't that, isn't that kind of hard to wrap your mind around? A trillion 
seconds, not minutes, a trillion seconds, was 32,000 years ago. I wasn't even born yet. I mean, that's that's kind of a long time ago. But anyway, so yeah, that's that's important. There's <laughs> When I think about everything I want to say today, because we have a lot to get to as usual, so a lot going on that makes the news for one day, and then it's gone. You know, be, it's funny. I, I kind of look at it like, you know, AD and, and BC. Before Canada, I was digging into articles that now they're gone. I can't find them. You know, what's going on with the California writer's strike? We have a good friend named Doug, and Doug's got friends in the industry. You know, he's he, this affects people that he knows. I, I can't even find anything on it anymore. I guess if I dig hard enough, I will. But this California writer's strike, how does that affect my finances? What? Why do I care about the writers and the producers in California? I'll tell you why. Because I have been saying my entire career, the rich get richer, the poor hover, and the middle class shrinks. I'll bet the writer's strike hasn't affected Tom Cruise yet. Brad Pitt, you okay? You know, Brad, I know you're listening. If you need help, we will do a GoFundMe. So, but, I, you know, the writers, they're they are probably not making the multi-millions that Tom Cruise is. So that's well, that's it doesn't. The, well, I mean, it ties together with the inflation we're seeing right now. You know, the inflation made sense when the government printed all of this money, um, you know, because we had interest rates at knee, near zero. Um, then COVID happened and they dropped it to zero, which wasn't much of a drop, you know, because they've succumbed to the pressure of the the financial markets and Wall Street and allowed for cheap borrowing so it could prop up its uh, market for so long. But what we're seeing now has nothing to do with that. I mean, of course, there's still lingering effects, but at this point, it's they're referring to it as greedflation. Have you heard that term before? Yeah. Or profit-driven inflation. I mean, yes. they have these institutes have the money to be paying people. They have the money, and they're choosing to increase their margins. We're seeing record after record after record for all these large corporations making money off of you but not actually paying people. So they're not raising rages. They're, in fact, laying a ton of people off, yet they're raising their margins. But we've just come to expect, you know, with the supply chains, chain issues that have been lingering, again, since COVID, oh, this is normal. They're, uh, they have to raise their prices. No, they're raising their margins. They're just screwing us. Well, and, you know, they've been doing that for years. You've heard the term shrinkflation? I know this is a silly example, but for in most of my adult life, I've been using Irish spring soap. That's why I always smell like a little leprechaun. So Irish spring soap, when I first was using it, this is when I first kind of remember, it was five ounces a bar. And then it was like 4.75, and then it was four and a half, and then it was four, then it was 3.75. It's down to three ounce bars. And the price has gone up over the years. So I, I mean, they've been doing that forever. You know, look at the price right now of cereal. Look how much you get in the box. I mean, it's it's everywhere. You know, we're being hit from every side. And you know who doesn't really care? The ultra wealthy. You know who doesn't really care? The poor. You know who is always having to watch their shopping cart? The middle class. You know, I mean, we're going into the 4th of July week next week. And I don't know. I mean, it's going to be expensive to have your barbecue. So I don't know. Not as expensive as last year. I guess that's some good news. I mean, inflation waned a little bit since last year. You know, the gas prices, I know the average went down to like $3.94, down 16 cents from last week. That's good news. Not in Arizona. Arizona's kind of lagging behind. I mean, we're still up there with Hawaii and California for some reason. 
So, but you know, maybe we deserve it because it's really hot here. So, um, banks, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time this week on the banks, but we have to bring it up every single week. It's not over. We're not out of the woods. If you have a safe deposit box, run over there and close it out. Grab your gold bars and your rare coins and your stamps. Grab your, your grandmother's ring. I, I ju- I'm still nervous. And you know why I'm more nervous now than I was? Because nobody's really talking about it anymore. So that means it's still going on. I did read an article about a new term. I love to find new terms. That's always exciting to me. I'm like a little sponge. I like to learn new things. There's, there's something going on, whether or not this old girl legs, I don't know. It's called bank jugging. Have you, have you heard of this? And it, no. it, I mean, I'm sure it's gone on forever, but now this term bank jugging is kind of unusual. So it's if you see a vehicle in the parking lot of the bank and there's somebody sitting in it, that's not usually a place that people sit. So maybe a spouse ran into the bank to grab a fistful of cash and become one of the suspicious activity report participants. But if you see somebody, watch out because they're watching you and then they're following you to another location to try to take your money. I don't know if this is a big problem. I just found it hilarious. You know, the title of the article is bank jugging. I'm like, well, I got to see that. It says the word bank. I've never heard the word jugging. So I, tell me more. <laughs> so Just but, bank mugging. But mugging, jugging. That's funny. So that ties in too, because remember we've talked about this. This was about a year ago that this happened. The safety deposit box in that uh, private vault in L.A., where they seized over a hundred million dollars in assets from random people, um, because they said that the uh, the institute, what was it? It was U.S. private vaults. They said that that institute was doing something nefarious, so they seized all of the money in there, every single thing that they uh, any client had, any depositor. So those safety deposit safety deposit boxes were definitely not secure. Lost over a hundred million dollars. Um, but now they're going back and they're suing the government. So I'm, I'm hoping yeah, they good win. luck. Good but luck I mean, with that. Civil forfeiture is such a terrifying, terrifying idea. And if you don't know what that is, essentially, uh, the government can rob you of your assets without you ever being convicted of a crime. And you're like, oh, not here. That can't happen to me. Well, it happens. And it happens more often than it should. So civil forfeiture is absolutely terrifying. So... I'm happy that they're suing them. Again, I don't know if they'll get anywhere with it. but The government probably has better attorneys than they do. You know, obviously, <laughs> the government has their money. So when they sue the government, it's their taxpayer dollar that's going to the attorneys the government's going to use to go against them. It's all wrong. That article you sent me, so I'll read one line from it. The couple says the agency seized their money without providing any evidence of illegal activity. You know, this this reminds me of our friend Randy, you know, who talks about the Constitution all the time. We have a Constitution. We have a Bill of Rights. We have amendments. We have protections. They're they're very thin right now. You know, let me let me I actually have my little pocket Constitution out for this very <laughs> opportunity. Let me read two amendments for you real quick. This is what this shouldn't be happening without due process. So amendment four, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated 
and no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause, <laughs> clause Santa, a probable cause supported by the oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. That's, you know, that was written a long time ago, so it's kind of complex. You know what that means? You are not supposed to do what these people are experiencing. Amendment five, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury except for the cases arising. Uh, That one's kind of tougher to read for even me. So let me skip ahead in Amendment 5. Witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So we we told you a couple weeks ago, New York is talking about, you know, using some money to have people take in roommates people that are here illegally, they want you to take in roommates. Now we're hearing the government's taking stuff out of people's safe deposit box. You know, we've heard over the years that there's something called imminent domain. If they want to build a super highway from Canada to Mexico, you know, they can they can go through your property if they need it. And they'll they give did you that to my grandma's house, the house I grew up in on my dad's side. That's I did not know that. We've never talked about that. I thought I brought that up before. Yeah, that's no? now the 51. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, so that's actually personally affected you. I No, I, we've never talked about that. That's the kind of stuff I'm always interested in. So, Anthony, I have something to talk about later today. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Usually we don't talk. After the show, we're all burned out and tired, and we don't like to talk. Yeah, this, so, is, I, a, this is a stretch. I mean, we spent a week together. It's like a... Right. Man, I'm going to need a vacation from that vacation with you. It was the best week of your life. Come on, give me a break. You know, and by the way, you were happy... It's it's funny being on vacation. I, I think we really needed it. It made me think a little bit when I got back. Mostly when I was there, I was just so busy looking at things and taking pictures and enjoying. You know, when I got back, I started thinking about it. You know, life is hard. We're always working. We're always distracted. It's you know when you think about politics, when you think about inflation, all this stuff. What what makes you happy? I mean, I, I actually stopped and thought: Am I happy right now? I love what I do. The people that say, you know, find what you enjoy and you'll never work a day in your life. They're, the older I get, the more I understand that. I do like money because I like to eat where I want to eat. I want to drive what I want to drive, live where I want to live. So I do like money. But I found a job where I'm not out in the sun digging ditches. I sit down and talk to people for a living and I'm making a living doing it. And I thought, what makes me the happiest? We're gone for a week. You know what makes me the happiest? Yesterday, we had a couple come in the office and I sat with them for about an hour and a half. And I, that is my passion. So what makes me happy? Appointments. I love appointments. You know what else I like? I like when you and I used to have a monthly card game when we would go to your house or my house or Jeff's house and play Texas Hold'em. I like sitting around having a couple beers and playing cards. I like my friends at the casino. I go to play pie gal poker at the casino periodically. Not every day. Don't worry, Anthony. Your inheritance is safe. I and I and <laughs> but I. Well, I took a life insurance on you. I don't. I don't care what you do. I don't know. Oh, it's what, a good I idea. know what I'm inheriting. Generational wealth transfer. Is that why <laughs> you keep asking me to start smoking again? I quit in 1999, and Anthony's been pressuring me to get that back. <laughs> so I mean, you're telling you know, everybody to invest in them for hard assets. I mean, may as well smoke a couple. I'm not pa- asking people to start smoking again. I'm just asking them to have barterability. So and and. <laughs> 
you know, it's funny because being on vacation, it was it was so nice. The air was clean. It gets dark between 1030 and 11 o'clock at night there. So it's wild. And it still gets light between 430 and five in the morning. So they have shorter nights. But it was, I don't know, it was just so beautiful. And it made me think these radio shows, you know, we're here to sound alarms. Our, our little tagline, we want you prepared, not scared. We want you to be proactive, not reactive. So to do that, the first thing we have to do is sound the alarms. We have to tell you all of the stuff that's going on so you're never blindsided. You know, we, we don't say the sky is falling in our office. We do normal financial planning. If it's good for you to do a Roth IRA, we're going to help you. If it's good for you to take an old 401k and put it into an IRA, we can help you. If it's not good, if it's good to leave it there, we're going to do that. So, but we only have an hour a week to make sure that we have dug into all the news so you know what's going on. And obviously the last week, all you knew that was going on was there was a submarine. By the way, that was very interesting. Doesn't it seem like during that whole submarine thing, there was a little more than usual of people like, you know, boo, billionaires. Like, did you notice it, Anthony? They were like, it's kind of oh, yeah. it, good because it was billionaires. Hard to care. Yeah. And I get it. I mean, it is, it's very sad. These are still just people at the end of the day. But it's, you know, with how much of a divide you have between the upper class and the middle class, it's really hard for all kinds of people are dying and having problems out there. These are very much rich people, first world kind of problems being crushed in a submarine that was very shoddily built. Well, and what I mean, I you usually kind of associate billionaires with high intellect. Talking to you, Elon Musk. Elon Musk is like Brad Pitt. He listens to us every week to see what's coming next. So I don't know. Oh, speaking of Elon Musk, did you hear that Elon Musk is getting trained in the mixed martial arts? You know, we try to bring you important things to watch when we talk about CEI and ESG and Executive Order 14067. You know, well, now apparently Mark Zuckerberg, and I didn't know this. I mean, because why would I know this or care? Mark Zuckerberg, I guess, has been a trained fighter. He's been in the martial arts for years, which good because he looks like a pencil with ears. So he better be able to protect himself. But anyway, so there is presumably going to be a cage match between Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. And I could not be more excited. I hate the mass Singer, but I'm going to watch the hell out of the cage mask with Zuckerberg and Musk. Yeah, I heard that but got canceled that... already. So. Oh, yeah. Seriously? Yes. So that's a right, real, I was, I was getting excited about that too. Oh, I mean, that is, that is why I love America. America is a great, great country or state or whatever we are because of stuff like that. All right. So that's sad. You just brought me down. Um, <laughs> as long as you're brought me down, do you hear there was another chemical spill over the weekend, last weekend? I did not. By the way, we're at today Ohio at 20, again. Uh, no, I don't know. This one is, I don't know, like Montana or somewhere. It was another train spilled a bunch of chemicals into the water. They said that it's going to affect up to 13 states in their water supply. I don't know. I mean, and I'm sure it's nothing. It's just a coincidence that our food supply, our fertilizer, you know, big amounts are still missing. You know, there's chemicals going into rivers. I don't know. I'm sure it's just a coincidence. You know, I mean, bridges fall down because a truck blows up. Everything's weird. Everything is weird. You know, how does that affect my finances? It doesn't. It doesn't any way, shape, or form. You know, will it one day? I don't know. Maybe. You know, what's my answer to it? 
put away some extra food, put away some extra water, call Marcy, blah, blah, blah. It's the same stuff I always say. Make sure that you can stay in your home. You know, I used to think that would be six weeks to three months. I would say now three months to six months. Make sure you do not have to go to Walmart. You what? We got a minute. Close this up. Take us a break. Is it break time? What the heck? How did that go so fast? All right. Well, thank you so much for being here. You know, we're back live. We we missed you and we love your support. So thank you for joining us. Make sure you reach out to us, 623-523-0444, or give us a shout at our email, team at anothermoneyshow.com. Check us out wherever you like your favorite podcasts. Apparently Stitcher is closing up. Got to notice that you're not going to be able to follow us on Stitcher, but everywhere else seems to be solid. And uh, check out our YouTube channel. We are really, we're gaining traction on the YouTube channel. Please like, subscribe, share, help introduce us to people. Thanks. We'll see you in a second. This is Another Money Show. Except this one's different. This one's actually fun. More like seeing a bloom, because I never thought that I'd ever lose your Fixed annuities, including multi-year guaranteed rate annuities, are not designed for short-term investments and may be subject to restrictions, fees, and surrender charges as described in the annuity contract. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuer. Two years of high inflation could warrant cutting back on entertainment costs. I'm Jim Tarabokia with the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife. Inflation in times like these have triggered Americans to be more cognizant about their spending habits. A recent survey done by CNBC found Americans from all income brackets have begun to cut back on spending. Washington Bureau Chief Bank Rate Mark Hamrick explains. People need to have a sense of hope when the economy is working for them. There's a greater likelihood that people will have hope that they can accomplish their basic personal financial objectives. And despite past recessions and examples of inflation, Americans have never been timid about spending money within the entertainment sphere. Sporting events and concert tickets have always been a hot item. But lingering inflation and impacts from the COVID-19 pandemic have shifted consumer priorities. According to Morning Consult Economic Intelligence data, entertainment was among the categories that posted the sharpest year-over-year spending decline as of March 2023. The purchases of books and movie theater tickets underwent the steepest spending drops at a combined 58%, and about one in four U.S. adults said they're either spending less on or have stopped paying for media and entertainment expenses altogether. So what are some ways you can cut back on entertainment costs? Start sharing or cancel unused streaming subscriptions. Or you can research cheaper alternatives to sporting events and concerts in your area. Cutting back on entertainment costs, part of our 23 cost cutters for 2023. For the Retirement.Radio Network, powered by AmeriLife, I'm Jim Tarabokia. At Rochford & Associates, we know the road to financial freedom is not a straight path. And the journey is different for every family. And in times like these, we want you to feel confident that you're safely on track to meet your retirement goals. We want to ask you to prepare for economic chaos. We want you to prepare for bank volatility. We want you to insure and protect your assets with a smart plan. Our team can help you make the most of your hard-earned savings using strategies that are right for you. I want more people to sit down with us. When we talk about a financial plan, it's different for every person we meet. We tailor make our plans. Schedule your no-obligation consultation today by calling 623-523-0444. That's 
523-0444. Rochford & Associates, veteran-owned and proud to serve Americans like you. Another weekend, another money show. Visit anothermoneyshow.com. Welcome back to Another Money Show. Thank you so much for being with us. We greatly appreciate your support, and we just love that you're here. So I do, that half an hour went very, very quickly, so I better watch the clock a little bit more. Let's finish up a couple things about the banks. So I don't know if you read this, Anthony, but I, I saw an article, I think I forwarded it to you, Westpac Bank, and the article I read was centered around Australia and New Zealand, they started this week limiting cash withdrawals to $750. And that equates to roughly $667 a day. You know, so why would I give a you know what about what happens in Australia or New Zealand? Because we have a global debt situation. We have a global banking situation, derivative situations. We all of this stuff is intertwined. So I think that it is a matter of time before they limit our cash withdrawals in this country. Is it an ATM withdrawal or are you just saying if you go to the bank? It covers everything. There's different amounts. I believe the transfer amount was $1,000. You know, I just saw the article last night. I have to dig into it further. You know, I did my usual thing. I did a little internet search and made sure I found three more resources that verify it. But I just, I mean, it, it kind of... It creeps me out because I think this country is still the granddaddy of what is going to change. I still believe that we are going to have a new currency. I believe we're going to have a stock market collapse, a real estate market collapse. I've been saying for months, I think realtors should dust off their manual on short sales and foreclosures. You know, this low inventory, that's keeping it up. You know, there's there's a lot of weirdness keeping it up. If you've got a 3% mortgage, you're probably really hard pressed to try to go out and find a new home, downsize, upsize, move to a different neighborhood when your mortgage is going to be 6 to 7%. And I, my crystal ball says that by the end of the year, it's going to be 7 to 8%. I think they're going to start raising rates again. So I think we had a pause, not a stop. You know, next year is a different story. Maybe we are going to get in. You know, when the stock market starts collapsing, maybe they're going to stop raising rates. Maybe they're going to do an emergency rate cut. I don't know. Maybe we're going to go from inflation to deflation. Whatever we do right now, we're in a very precarious position. So well, I think, uh, you know, the commercial real estate we bring up all the time and that bubble, um, you know, we're worried about the rates there because commercial real estate's already been, you know, higher than what a regular mortgage is. So when we had two, three, four percent mortgages, you're still getting eight, nine, ten percent commercial loans. Well, those are going to come due again. In the next couple of years, which with rates being, you know, 7% now, what are we going to see for commercial? You know, 15, 16%. I mean, there could be a massive default there. So you and I talked about maybe that's the, you know, maybe they do have an emergency rate cut in the next couple of years to kind of fight against that. We will see. This is the most uncharted territory we've ever been in in this country. And I would say the world. So we will see terrifying i mean so essentially what you're saying is australia at least one individual bank has issued a bail-in is that what you're saying um i wouldn't call it a bail-in yet because they're not they haven't seized your money to where it's a, a low level to scare me Greece. what do you mean it's not 
sees, you're telling me you can't go and say, I want 10000 out or 5000 You're saying it's $700 a day. How is that not a bail-in? Yeah, I guess you're right. I, that's so funny because I'm the one who's always watching for bail-in. And I saw it like, well, that's the first step toward a bail-in. But you're right. If I have 10000 in the bank and you say I can have $667, you have just bailed in my account. You're You're right. That's yeah, funny. Though. I don't know how you didn't mention that. Like you made this sound very casual. It was like, how are you just like casually saying the thing that we're warning people about? And and it's not Australia is not a third world country. So well. this is something that <laughs> could realistically happen here too. Yeah. I mean, of course we know that we've got the rules in place for it to happen here, but you're saying we're seeing it now at Westpac. Yeah. No, I mean, it's funny that a light bulb just went off as you said that because I'm always watching for a, for a bail-in. I'm watching for it in this country. And I, you know, that took me a step closer because I'm like, whatever happens anywhere, we should watch. You and I talked about six or eight months ago about all the money that was seized in the, what was it, Shezhuan province of China? Yeah. You know, there's people that still haven't gotten their money. The story's gone. Our news cycle is gone. We have the, we have the attention span of a pea. But, you know, I search for that every once in a while. You cannot find articles. I think uh, like nope. maybe last month I brought that up again and there was a, an anniversary article saying it happened a year ago. But that was about it. There was no new information that I could find. Well, that's scary, but that's the world we live in. I mean, it's just it's so, so quick of a news cycle. It's scary. And financial advisors, you know, we're we're always under pressure. If you're not fully independent you have a broker dealer, you have a bank, you have somebody telling you, you have to keep moving. So there, we're not out there telling people to pull cash from the bank because what's in it for me? You know, when you look at it, only half of the financial advisors out there right now have been in the industry since 2008. Let that sink in. You're one of them. Only half of the advisors were here in 2008. Less than 25% of all current financial advisors were here prior to 2000. So that makes me in the 25, in, in one of 25% that was here in the late 90s. I mean, that's that's frightening. You know, we're the longer you've been in this job, the more you've seen, the more you can kind of relate to things could be weird. I mean, you, you were young. You There's no way you can picture what happened in 2000 with the tech bubble. People were scared. When a plane hit a building, it was instantaneous. People were scared. 2008, you know, roughly October of 07 through March 9th of 09, people were freaking out. You know what? You know what did pretty well? My annuity clients. Ooh, he said the A word. My people that were safe and had lifetime income and made decent returns, they didn't get freaked out. I did a huge mutual fund business at that time. I was never smart enough to pick stocks for people. I couldn't go the road of a stockbroker. You know, maybe I should have financially. I'd be wearing a nicer suit instead of a polo shirt. But it's it was it just the mutual fund clients were panicking and freaking out. And now, fast forward to today, when I talk about the Teflon Dow, it's only thirty companies. You know, we we aired out the S and P five hundred that should be a more you know fair representation of our financial markets. And you've got what what was Apple? You know, you, you've got like five stocks that are pretty much the whole thing. So it's, yeah. it's all baloney. Nvidia is in the news again. I don't know how do how do I get off on that. So I guess all I'm getting at is we don't think the banks are over. You know, didn't you send me something, Anthony, about J.P. Morgan <laughs> fined four million dollars for deleting forty-seven million emails 
including some requested in subpoenas. I say, did you send it to me? Well, it's in my hand, so I think you did. It's hilarious, though. I mean, usually we're talking about fines and uh, Wells Fargo, but let's switch it up with the big three. <laughs> let's, uh, let's add J.P. Morgan into the mix. I mean, they have so many felonies. They are number one in felonies, you know, of the big three. And now they're number two in deleting emails. Yeah. I don't want to go political, <laughs> but they're, they're up there in deleting emails now. Well, remember a few years ago, too, there was almost a billion dollar fine. It was $900 million for a securities fraud. Do you remember that one? Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like we talk about how the market's <laughs> yeah. all full of crap all the time. It's like, here's people. I mean, it's it's there. Like, it's in your face. Like, you're being, these large corporations are being fined for doing all the same stuff that we're accusing them from. And people are like, no, no, the market's fine. It's fine. And I have a question for you. I know this is a duh moment. If J.P. Morgan was fined $4 million for deleting 47 million emails, and by the way, you know, if a common person deletes emails that, that the government's subpoenaed, they're probably in deep, you know what, Wells or <laughs> Wells. I'm just used to saying Wells when it yeah, comes right? to mine. <laughs> J.P. Morgan, who's going to pay the $4 million? And by the way, to, to them, $4 million is lunch money. You know, they- That's they, not they, even they a CEO over, bonus. Right? So who's going to pay for it? And, I, you know, reading that article, it says here, the bank said in in the order that it implemented its own 30, <laughs> its own- 36-month retention coding to prevent erroneous deletions. <laughs> An employee seeking to run a deletion task will now be required to get approval from a senior-level information officer before, you know, you probably think I just read something in Greek. All that means is they're, they're going to hang out to dry some lower-level employees. They're going to use scapegoats. It was the senior-level people, I would speculate, that said to delete certain emails. You know, what if the senior level information officer gave the request to delete emails? So that senior officer is going to have a new corner office and the lower level employee is going to be over at Wells Fargo in no time. We're working for the government. Timothy Geithner, I'm not looking at you, but whenever you do anything nefarious, at least you're lucky because you get a government job. <laughs> so that's good. Um, You know, switching gears quickly because I want to make sure my old next door neighbor isn't bored this week. So <laughs> you're like, let it go, Jer. The FDIC has accidentally released a list of companies it bailed out for billions in the Silicon Valley bank collapse. Did I send that one to you? That was from June 23rd. <laughs> yeah, no, I read that one. I think I sent that one to you. But I don't know. Why is that a confidential list? I mean, these are people who got bailed out when they shouldn't have been bailed out. With money that we don't have, that was, you know, when the debt ceiling had already been hit before they agreed to raise it without stipulation for the next couple of years. But I love that the article keeps referring it to it as a backstop because the administration said that we're not bailing anybody out. But now it's OK to backstop these corporations. What does backstop mean? Do you it's remember when I first entered bail? Yes. It's not made whole. They were made whole. It's the same thing. Yeah, but backstopping, we changed the verbiage and it sounds better. And by the way, you didn't send that to me. I didn't send that to you. We got that from Michael C. in Sun City. <laughs> so we actually oh, you go. got that at the same time. Um, <laughs> I read that article. I read it a couple of times. It made me angry. You know why it shouldn't be? It shouldn't be secret and redacted and all that stuff. It's our money. They used our money to do the bailout, bail and backstop, whatever the hell you want to call it. 
And I, as I'm reading through this article and I'm thinking about who's too big to fail as usual, you know, they brought up Sequoia that took a billion dollars, a billion dollars to give back to Sequoia. And that says the firm famous for backing iconic companies, including Apple, Google, and WhatsApp. So they took a billion dollars. The limit of FDIC insurance is presumably $250,000. If you took four accounts of $250,000, you have a million. Follow along with this, kids. You have a million dollars if you take four accounts. You have to have a thousand of those just to give the $1 billion you gave to Sequoia. And you know what? When they interviewed them, no comment. We go to the next one, Kanjun, which had 902.9 million, which is right under a billion if you're if you're thinking about it. No comment. They're a Chinese company. So your American tax dollars went into China. You know, welcome to it. Most people just don't know how this works. The next one, Altos Labs took 680.3 million. No comment. Fast forward. Crypto, I love this one. Crypto Stable Coin Company, Circle Internet Financial Limited. <laughs> they they took a big fat three. What is it here? They had 3.3 billion in the bank. No comment. Roku had 26% of its money in the bank. They took 420 million. No comment. FinTech, no comment. Silicon Valley Bank and parent SVB Financial Group were also listed as having a combined $4.6 billion in deposits. Apparently that was a return to them. So federal regulators have said SVB Financial, which declined to comment on the document, must apply <laughs> to the bank's receiver for that money. I, I don't know what that means. My understanding, they already got it. By the way, $4.6 billion. Isn't that about what the, was it the Clippers or the Lakers? Didn't an NBA team get a PPP loan of like four and a half billion dollars. You remember that, Anthony? It was a billion? Remember? I thought it was in the millions. Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know. Billions, millions, who cares? You know, a trillion seconds was 32,000 years ago. So who cares about billions or millions? I just found that funny because I remember when you and I were nervous because we couldn't have in-office appointments. We had to learn how to do Zoom. <laughs> so we both applied for a PPP loan, which by the way, I finished paying mine off. You know, I mean, I, I had... Well, I guess I don't mind sharing this. I had a $20,000 PPP loan. It did not get forgiven. Part of it got forgiven. The other part of it, most of it, I finished paying it off in March. My little 1% loan through a local slash national bank. I finished paying mine off. I wonder if the Lakers or Clippers or whoever it was, did you guys finish paying yours off yet? So just me being bitter, an angry little bitter man. Did I mention I really like playing cards and doing appointments though? There you go. So what else, Anthony? What other, what other, how else do you want to get me fired up? Well, I mean, if we're still on the banks, though, so Bank of America about to open up 55 new locations in four new states, which that part actually surprised me. I thought they were in all 50. Uh, while in the same breath, they are laying off 4,000 um, jobs. So I think that's uh, incredible. What, uh, what let's you talk about Fed now again. I mean... No, wait, pause. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, we got to talk about FedNow because that literally, by the time you hear this, it literally is the day. Happy FedNow Day if you're hearing us on Saturday, July 1st. It's FedNow Day. But wait one second. You just said that B of A is opening up a bunch of branches. I have a question for you. Didn't we just say 
that Chase was doing that about two months ago? Yep. Month and a half ago, 16. Community banks. Community banks. And now B of A is doing it. If you don't think we're on the right track with you having to be careful of regional banks, community banks, why on earth are these big three opening up branches and they're laying off people? They're concentrating in cities for some reason. Is that the ESG model? We're going to help the underserved and the unserved communities? Or is it because we are going to have a change in our financial system coming up soon? I don't know. I would say both, but that's just me being paranoid. Yeah, we hate, we definitely hate saying that you, your money may actually be safer in these big three banks. This is, we don't want to say that. We don't want to propose anybody give any money to these banks. Um, but again, with the release of Fed now, it's not a digital currency. What it is is it's a platform in which a digital currency will come up. So when it does come out, all of your money is going to pass through the Fed. All of it. So your checking, your savings, any transactions. When we have a digital currency, there's no reason to have any banks for the most part because you're going to have a Fed bank account. Everybody's got bank accounts in one location. Now, they do need banks to service these. They need banks to do loans and credit cards and all this miscellaneous. So if you're the Fed, you're the government, do you want to manage tens of thousands of different miscellaneous little banks? Or do you want to have a handful of massive banks and you just manage those? So that's kind of the direction that we're seeing, you know, moving forward again. We don't like the big three banks. We are very adamant about if you had money there, moving it out up until, uh, I don't know, the last few months when we started seeing kind of what direction this is going. You know, we're not we're not positive on any of this, but this is what we're seeing as the signs are kind of pointing in one direction. And this seems to be it. And is that because we're crazy or because a lot of people just they're distracted they're busy they're watching tv they're anxiously awaiting the cage masks match with musk yeah well i mean essentially all this i mean our whole show is to bring you articles and let you know what's going on in the news and not just make it a sales pitch and you know just buy more i mean ponzi schemes work as long as people keep buying in the stock market keeps working as long as people keep buying in so advisors, advisors make money if you keep buying in. So I want to touch on that too. You know, Bernie Madoff, Ken Fisher, all Warren Buffett, all of these big, big name players. You know, you think about financial advising, right? And everybody's like, oh, these guys are such geniuses. You know, they can live off investments. Well, that's not true. No advisor is just living off of the fact that they're a great advisor. Advisors are living off the fact that you keep giving them money. I make my living because you give me money. Warren Buffett makes his money because you give him money. Ken Fisher makes his money because you give him money. You are what's paying these people. It's not. You do realize. These guys are so smart, right? They're absolute I'm financial wizards. Why aren't they just investing their own money, making a fortune, and living off of that? Well, that's not how this works. That's not how this game is played. You give these people money and they make a living. That's how it works. Now, there's a new movie coming out called Dumb Money, which is an amazing title, and it's going to be about GameStop. 
It's about this one guy getting everybody to fight institutional investors and all their shorts and fighting it and making a fortune. Now that guy, that guy is a genius. He's He has been a successful financial investor on his own. He's not out there making money off of everybody else pushing their money together. But all of these people that you worship, all these hedge fund managers, I mean, all they're doing is they're making money off of all the money you're giving. It doesn't matter if it's me, Warren Buffett, Ken Fisher. It does not matter. That's how we make our money. When you started, when you started this little, I'll say mini rant of yours, which I love, you put in the same bucket, Bernie Madoff, Warren Buffett, and Ken Fisher. So two (laughs) of the three of them are probably going to sue you. That was the opinion of Anthony Correo, the eye candy at Rochford and Associates on 98th Avenue and Bell with a satellite office in Snowflake, Arizona. You know, I <laughs> I just I want people to know how all this stuff works because everybody has in their opinion, everybody seems to be a genius on how the, the financial markets work. And I don't know that anybody truly understands. I mean, the more I understand this market being a a participant, right? I mean, uh, I'm involved in this. Uh, the less it makes sense because it's all over leverage and manip- manipulation and prayer. It's all prayer because there's no foundation for any of this. There's no, I mean, we use the term Ponzi scheme all the time, but it, it really is. I don't know how it's much more different than that. I mean, our legitimate financial market, I don't know how's, how it's much more different than an actual Ponzi. You are spot on for years and years and years. You know, when I was new in the industry, I was trained to sell, not offer. I use the word sell on purpose, variable annuities. And then when I started understanding them a few years later, I was like, well, wait a minute. I can, and I did it for myself. And then I started doing it for clients. I can have you pay less fees, get better performance, less risk, if I modify that variable annuity and I do a fixed annuity coupled with some laddered out mutual funds. So I you know the whole thing, it's it's meant to get money from you over to me. So, you know, and what makes money move? Fear and greed. The whole world is giving you ample opportunity to be greedy and scared. Listen to AM radio quickly before they yank it out of cars and homes. So If you listen to AM radio, it's mind boggling how many commercials you're going to hear for gold. Why is gold so, so easy to pitch? Because you couple both fear and greed. You you know, you're worried the dollar is going to devalue and decouple and Janet Yellen's right. And you're also greedy because, you know, that thing touched a new all time high about a month ago. You're up two grand. Now it's back down this morning to $1,915 when I took a peek at it. But you can cover both fear and greed. You know, when I was new in the late 90s in this industry, I was worried. I said to my father, we're not going to have a job because when I worked for an elevator company, that was when the internet, I was there in 95, 6, 7, that was when the internet was really, really taken off. You had your dial up and it was super slow, but it was like, holy cow. I mean, all these very smart people are involved. Now it's really dumbed down, you know, mostly because of TikTok. Now we're seeing, you know, people twerking on top of a car because of t- TikTok. But anyway, so, and my father was like, you don't have to worry about that. He's like, the internet provides information. It does not provide advice. 
people that go on WebMD, you know, because you have a sore finger, you leave knowing you have stage seven cancer and you're pregnant. But I'm a dude. Actually, nowadays that could happen. Anyway, so, um, you know, now it's artificial intelligence. Once again, I'm worried we're not going to have a job. Artificial intelligence can do our job. Financial advisors are going to be obsolete. No, they're not. Because once again, it's information and not advice. You know what you do different, Anthony, than Bernie Madoff, Warren Buffett, and Ken Fisher? You give advice. You give sound advice. Yesterday, the couple that was in the office, there was nothing we should have done that involved an application and a pen. So guess what we did? We didn't do anything. That Well, how, how do you keep your job? When it's right, we will help people. You know, when I talk about traditional financial planning in the office and using this platform to sound alarms, you know, what I hear a lot on the radio, the retirement red zone. If you're within five years leading up to retirement and the first five years after retirement, it's important that you really know what you're doing. What? Uh, yeah, you're right. You know what is else? You know what else is important for your financial life? Your entire life. If I could go back and tell myself when I was in my 20s, do not get into credit card debt. Save more than you spend. Don't try to be too fancy. Do a Roth IRA instead of a regular IRA. So take your match on your 401k. Stop there. Then pay down debt. Do a Roth. If I could do simple things for people in their 20s, that's just as important as your retirement red zone. When you come to Anthony and me five years before your retirement, what Anthony's saying, you either have the money or you don't. And then how do the financial advisors help you? They take your money over. And that's how they make a commission. You need to understand fees, 12B1 fees, expense ratios, breakpoints. There's all this stuff. So it seems very difficult to be a financial advisor. It's really not that difficult. I mean, you know, one of the things I would say when the government came in and said, you all have to be fiduciaries. By the way, they're revamping that rule in August. Did you know that, Anthony? They're going to be they're going to be putting out a new ruling for the fiduciary rule in August. I don't think they're going to. I think it's going to be delayed. They have too many fish to fry for one thing. Second thing is we don't have a leader of the Department of Labor right now. And you do realize the fiduciary rules through the Department of Labor. I tell people all the time, the fiduciary, the concept of fiduciary is genius. It is to try to protect people from nefarious advisors. You know, and it's meant for people 65 or older. That's how it started. But it doesn't count on your regular money, your non-qualified money. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're going to do what's right or you're not. It's that yes. simple. But that is it for today's show. If you like what you heard, have questions about any of the topics today, or want to sit down with us to review your personal financial situation, uh, you can reach us at team at anothermoneyshow.com. You can book appointments straight through our website, anothermoneyshow.com. Um, you can also listen to past episodes on the website. You can listen to the show wherever you like and subscribe to podcasts. Uh, remember, if you reach out to us, there are no minimums. There's no cost for appointments. There's really nothing to lose by getting a second opinion on your financial situation. Uh, with that said, we will see you again next Saturday at noon right here on 960 The Patriot. Happy Independence Day. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to Another Money Show. You deserve to work with a private wealth management firm that will strategically work to protect your hard-earned assets. To schedule your free, no-obligation consultation, visit anothermoneyshow.com. 
Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and Rochford Financial are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Fixed annuities, including multi-year guaranteed rate annuities, are not designed for short-term investments and may be subject to restrictions, fees, and surrender charges as described in the annuity contract. Guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuer.